Well, happy Easter, church family. Easter 2020. We're going to remember this one, aren't we? Hey, because it is such a memorable one, and we're celebrating in the midst of these various memories we have the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Why don't we start our time off together, at least your time with me, with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the greatest hope. We come before you in the greatest joy, in the greatest peace, in the greatest answer ever the resurrection of our King, of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we just pause to give you thanks for that. We pause to worship you for that. And Lord, we pray that you would help us as as individual believers. You would help us, the church, carry the good news of the cross and resurrection to to a world, to a nation that has felt such a weight, such a heaviness of bad news. Lord, would you show each one of us how we do that. Oh, Lord, whether we're celebrating online or we're celebrating all together as thousands in a particular building, Lord, may our celebration be one interaction at a time as we give witness to our hope and our faith in you. Thank you for letting us gather in this way today. I pray our time has honored you, celebrated you. Lord, I now ask that you would guide and help me in this word that I have for your people and that we might know afresh the joy of our Savior and what he did for us in the death, burial, and resurrection. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it is good to be with you here on this Easter. And uh, hey, wait a minute. You are you are dressed up, aren't you? I mean, see, you got to put on the, the pastels, the colors, the dresses, the bonnets. Are y'all, do y'all have that out there on the, I can't quite, I can't quite tell. I sure hope so. It's, it's Easter Sunday. Maybe that'll be our memory from Easter 2020. We celebrated it in our pajamas. I, I don't know, but I, I do know we are, we are going to remember this Easter. You know, have you ever thought that's, that's kind of a different thing to say, remembering Easter. We, we don't have Easter memories per se, like we do with other holidays or gosh, especially Christmas. I mean, we have East, I mean, Christmas memories. We have Christmas traditions. And what are traditions? Things we remember to do every single year, every single Christmas. Gosh, in our home, Karen has, uh, I think she got it as a Christmas present. She's got this book and I think there's I think there's two pages for every Christmas, uh, like, like for your life. And, and so like on one page goes that year's Christmas card you sent out, that year's Christmas picture. And then on the other page, you, you put where you spent Christmas, who you spent it with, and different memories through the Christmas season. I mean, Christmas memories come pretty naturally, but we've got a book to make sure we can remember every single one of them. Easter? No, not not so much the case, is it? You know, I, I've always said I think part of the the problem with Easter we we spend three months getting ready for Christmas. Three weeks before Easter, most of us don't know what date Easter is yet. We're we're waiting on the church to tell us, hey, Easter Sunday is on the way. But but boy, Easter twenty twenty. Yeah, we're going to remember this one, aren't we? I mean, e- Easter twenty twenty has been marked by a virus. 
You know, we've spent now a couple of weeks, even even with the virus and, and all the things going on in our culture and our community, we have taken the last two Sundays to really think about Jesus' approach to Christmas. Uh, excuse me, I've got my mind stuck on Christmas now. <laughs> Jesus' approach to Easter. And, and, you know, we might think of what, what our approach to this Easter was like, being different or, or being difficult. But what was it like for Jesus? And, and two weeks ago, we looked at Luke 9.51 that said he had set his face on Jerusalem. He was locked in on getting to the cross. And, and through all this, we've said, hey, the, the cross is about you. The cross is about you. What Jesus was locked in on what was about you. And and so as we watch Jesus approach the cross, not, not from a day out, but from years out, from months out, we've seen the battle that raged around him. People and forces that were trying to keep him from getting to the cross, people and forces that put him, that shoved him up onto the cross. And, and we've seen how that, that battle has, has raged all around him. But, but today, what I want to do on, on this Easter is look at kind of a moment where the forces of keeping him and the forces of forcing him to the cross kind of collided. And all of that happened in his own nature. All of it happened in what was going on inside of him. Two, two weeks ago, when we were talking about what was trying to keep him from the cross, we dealt a little bit with Jesus' own human nature and that prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane where, where he actually prayed, hey, hey, Father, if there's a way to not have to do this, if, if this could pass from me, uh, but, but, but Lord, not my will, yours. And we see that prayer, we see that struggle and that that battle that he's under. Well, folks, seconds following that, it's, it's a very small part of the Passion Week story, the Easter story. But I, I want you to think, I, I, I think, see something so profound in the story that follows that prayer. What happens when Jesus says, amen, and, and gets up from that prayer? Well, let's look at that. Matthew chapter 26. If you have a Bible there with you and want to open it, Matthew 26, and I'm going to begin in verse 50. And again, as I read this picture, Jesus, he's just finished praying. He's just said, amen. He's just stood up. Verse 50 says, Jesus said to him, friend, and that's, that's Judas that he's talking to, friend, do what you came to do. And then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those that was with Jesus stretched out his hand drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. My guess is he wasn't aiming for the ear. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Now listen to this line. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels. But then how would the scriptures be fulfilled? So again, 
we've got Jesus praying that prayer, Father, if this cup could pass from me, and, and, and just, I, I, again, I feel like a turmoil, a weariness. We, again, we talked two weeks ago about all the different thoughts that might have been going on, what he was weary of at looking for the cross, but he, he says that prayer, he stands up, and, and, and over here, there, there, there's some rustling, there's some movement, and, and the disciples who've, you know, kind of been dotted throughout the garden here they've been they've been asleep while while Jesus in this in this tremendous anguish of prayer they start to jump up and wake up and and here through the entrance of the garden comes Judas and he and he's leading some temple guards and some soldiers these are guys heavily armed Uh, These are guys ready to do battle. They they have come to arrest Jesus, and and they come right up to him. Judas leads them right up to Jesus, and and one of the disciples. Tradition has that it was Peter. We don't. I don't think we know that as a fact. But 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 Peter uh, maybe jumped up, grabbed a sword, and and starts swinging, and and gosh, cuts a guy's a guy's ear off. One one of the other gospels actually tells us Jesus picked the ear up and put it back. He, he healed the guy, people that were there to arrest him. But, but then Jesus kind of looks around. I mean, he says, stop. Now, hold on to that. I, right now, what we see him saying is stop to the disciples. Stop. What, what, what are you doing? Now, think about this. Here's a group of people trying to stop Jesus from going to the cross. Well, just seconds ago, he was praying. Hey, is there a way to not go to the cross and here they are trying to stop that, his disciples, his friends, the guys that loved him. And he says, stop. And there's almost a comical scene here. And, and obviously there's nothing comical about this moment. But, but picture these disciples, none of them soldiers, none of them warriors. Between the 11, I mean, there's 12 of them, but Judas is on the other side now. So there's the 11 of them. Maybe between the 11 of them, they have one or two swords. And and now they're going to pick a fight with with what? These soldiers? I mean, this is going to be a short fight. This this isn't going anywhere. I mean, hey, kudos. Kudos to the bravery. Kudos to the attempt there. But this this is not going to go anywhere. This is not going to stop the cross. But Jesus says... Hey, you know, if I wanted to stop this, you, you do know I could call on my dad. I, I, I could say father and he has ready 12 legions of angels. You know, when you picture an angel, what comes to your mind? I think we got a lot of different images out there biblically. A way they are quite often pictured and portrayed is, is as a soldier. Is as a warrior. As a matter of fact, one of the titles of of God is the Lord of Hosts. That would that would beckon to our title, Commander in Chief. God is the Commander in Chief of of angels of of warriors. These soldiers ready for battle. And when he says he has 12 legions, and I mean that this is being written during this time, Roman times. A Roman legion was six thousand. So, so what Jesus just said is, my, my father has ready 72,000 angels. And that's not meant to say that, that the number of angels in heaven is 72,000. No, I think the scripture would communicate more an idea along millions, if not even billions of angels in the heavens. So what are these 72,000? I think it would be safe to say they're special forces, 
This is a special forces detail that has been assigned to the life of Christ. These are 72,000 special forces angels ready to care for Jesus. They're just waiting for the word. Now, he said there, don't you think my my father, I'll be honest with you folks, I've been a Christian now for almost 40 years. I've been in ministry for almost 30 years years. I've, I've traveled through a lot of Easter's. I've walked through a lot of, uh, of these stories right here looking at this. And I think this year, and I, I don't know what it was or why, it's the first time I ever noticed, don't you think my dad? You know, when we think about Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, we think about his words. And, and for obvious reasons, that's what the scripture gives us. It gives us Jesus' words. It doesn't give us God's words. It doesn't tell us how the father responded to his son. Now, that doesn't mean he didn't respond to his son. It means the scripture didn't believe we needed to be let in on that, that we didn't need to know how the father responded. But I can guarantee you he responded because the father loved the son. Matthew 3.17 says, This is my beloved son. I delight in him. Matthew chapter 17, verse 5, again, the father speaking, this is my beloved son. I delight in him. Listen to him. Two times, two times what? Two times God audibly speaks. And what I mean by audibly is so that people in that People in that area could hear the voice of God. They, they heard the, the, the heavens rumble and thunder with his voice. They heard God speak in two times during the life of Jesus that he spoke. And he says the exact same thing both times. I love my son. You, you just cannot convince me the father did not respond. I absolutely believe he responded. This is his son crying out in anguish, crying out in grief. It says Jesus was sweating drops of blood. And you're going to tell me the father didn't respond? I'm confident the father responded. So let's imagine. This is my imagination. This is not what the scripture says. I do want to be clear about that. But but I'm trying to, to put these two stories together. And so I hear Jesus praying, Father, is there is there another way? Father, is it possible? And I don't know why I almost hear the Father saying, there's absolutely a way. No, you don't have to do this. No, I, I won't make you do this. Hey, you say the word. I, I've got 72,000 angels here ready to go. Folks, I, I mean, since we're picturing soldiers I picture the Chinook helicopter <laughs> hovering above the Garden of Gethsemane and that, that back door of the helicopter has come down and those angels are lined up and they are not only ready, they're wanting. They're wanting to get the go sign. They are locked, they are loaded, and they are ready. And folks, what I can tell you biblically is 72,000 angels could obliterate this planet and they are ready to come for their king. They're ready. They're waiting for the word. And Jesus says, stop. Just moments ago, he was praying, is there another way? And folks, it's seconds later 
that he says, you know, my dad, my father said, I'll send the angel's son. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think he's actually talking to the disciples when he says stop. He's talking to the angels. We're not going to stop this. I am resolved. This is going to happen. Boy, folks, let's make sure we are always clear. Nobody put Jesus on the cross. He went there. It was his decision. It was his resolve. And and he, and he says why right here in the Bible. It was to fulfill the scriptures. You know what the scriptures are? They're the conversations between the father and the son. The, it, the, the scriptures are the conversation about the plan for what the Father, the Son, the Spirit have for you and have for me. And Jesus knew it would be by the cross, it would be by his blood that those scriptures would be fulfilled for you. What scriptures? Oh, folks, it is by the cross, it is by the blood that I am forgiven Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, that I am loved, Romans chapter 5 verse 8, that I am holy, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 12, that I am righteous, Romans 5 verse 21, that I'm no longer condemned, Romans 8 verse 1, that I am free from any guilt, Revelation 1 5, that I am spared from God's wrath, Romans 5 9. That I'm at peace with God, Romans 5.1. That I am a child of God, John 1.12. That I am able to overcome the enemy, Revelation 12.11. That I am able to rise again, Romans 5.10. That I am able to confidently, confidently go before the living God, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. And so much more. That's not the whole list. That is the scriptures that were accomplished by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the cross of Jesus Christ, and it was all accomplished for you. Folks, that list and all of the rest of the list is applied to your life when you cry out to your Savior. It it, it doesn't happen because we're good people. Folks, surely we don't think that happens because I'm a good person. I've really tried hard. I've done some good things. So what? So you're owed the things on that list? Somebody owes you forgiveness? Somebody owes you adoption as a child of God? Surely, and I want to be careful saying this, that kind of arrogance is not inside you. To think that those things are owed to you. Do you realize no other religion even offers these things? No other religion addresses how any of these things could be or happen. But the conversation between the father and son addresses it. All of those things happen by the blood of Christ, by the cross of Christ. And they are for you a gift when you cry out to the Savior. Romans 10.13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved? What do I need to be saved from? 
Well, the opposite of everything on that list. I I can be saved from being unforgiven. I I can be saved from being unrighteous. I, I can be saved from not being spared from God's wrath, but in a position to fully receive God's wrath. I can be saved from no peace. I can be saved from no access to God. I can be saved from that. Romans 10, 9 says that if we confess with our mouth, that Jesus is Lord. That means I really believe he's God. He's God. What he thinks is he is from God. What he says, that's God. It, his word is the word of God in my life. It's bigger. It is supreme over my own inner feelings. It is supreme over the words of friends, the words of enemies, the words of the world. Jesus is supreme because I've confessed him to be God. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. You you know what that means? It means my faith, my hope is in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It means I understand. I I have no hope for forgiveness, but by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I have no hope for access into the presence of God, but by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I've not no, I have no hope to stand before God in righteousness, but by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you know right now, right now where you sit, where you watch, you can say, Jesus, I want to know your forgiveness. I want to be adopted as a child of God. I want to know the peace that you have for me. I know it's not something I can accomplish, but I trust in what you did for me in your death, in your burial, in your resurrection. Call out to the Savior right now. He's waiting to save you. Maybe that will be the great memory of Easter 2020, the day that you were born again, the day that you were adopted into God's family, that heaven became your future. We are going to remember We are going to remember Easter 2020, aren't we? Marked by a virus. You know, the fact is, every Easter has been marked by a virus. The reason there's an Easter is because of a virus. The sin virus. The sin virus that affects 100% of people born into this world. The sin virus that has a 100% death rate. The sin virus that on the path to death destroys lives, destroys economies, destroys homes, destroys governments and nations. It always leaves devastation in its path to death. But the government of heaven moved. The government of heaven moved on time. The government of heaven moved perfectly to bring a resolution, to bring healing, to solve this virus. And it is 100% effective for those who lay hold of the gift. And Jesus has fought. He has battled to bring that healing, to bring that gift, to bring the solution to a virus to you. If you've had the opportunity to to be with us these last, well, two Sundays before this one and and today, you you know that all the way up to this, we've been thinking about how Jesus fought for me. He fought for my life, for for my healing, for for my well-being. He fought for that list to be true of me. We've kind of been thinking each week, hey, does my love fight for Jesus?
Well, what does that even mean? Well, let, let's think about it in terms of the cross. Because of the cross, because of the, the blood of Christ, I am pure. I am pure before God. Do I fight to walk in that purity? Or, or do I come up on a moment of temptation and just, ah, it's too hard. I can't do it. I deserve. Well, I, well, I, do we just roll over? Do we fight? I'm not even talking about how successful we are. Man, we, we have the cross and we have the forgiveness of Christ to deal with our lack of success. I'm just talking about a love that fights. Hey, Jesus, Jesus fought so that we could have access to God. Do we fight to enjoy that access? Do we fight our schedule? Do we fight our desires so that we can have that time in prayer? We can have that time in God's word. We can enjoy that time in his presence. Jesus fought so that I could be declared holy. Do we fight to walk in holiness? Or do we even think about it? Do we even think about what what holy would mean in this moment? Holy would mean in this situation. Jesus fought so that I could be forgiven. Do I fight to walk in gratefulness for that forgiveness? Do I fight to walk in such a gratefulness for being released from a debt that that I now freely release others? Do I fight? It's hard to do that. It's hard to forgive others, isn't it? But do I put up a fight? Do I fight to give that forgiveness? You, You know, folks, we're not thinking about how we fight for Christ. Do I have a love that fights for him, that fights to obey him? We're not doing that because we're trying to pay God back. We can't pay him back. We're we're not doing that to show how much we're worth because we fail so much in the fight. But you know, as we've approached this Easter, I hope we've seen just how great the love of Jesus is and how it fought for us. And, And the only way to respond to that kind of love is is in like, isn't it, man? I. I may not be able to love like Christ, but that's sure what I'm, I'm sure going to ask the Holy Spirit for help. I'm sure going to depend upon the Holy Spirit to have a love that fights for Jesus, just like he fought for me. Boy, I think about these last two, three, four weeks of, of fighting a virus. We fight the different ideas about how to fight the virus. We, we fight the social distancing. We, we, we fight all that is going on. Hey, here's a fight to give your life to. Have a love for Jesus that fights for that love. Let's remember Easter 2020 for the rest of our lives for that reason. Let's let every day be a fight to show our love for him. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for fighting for me. Thank you for the forgiveness that came out of that fight, the holiness that came out of that fight, the righteousness that came out of that fight. I I thank you that by and through that fight, I can not only go before God, but could go there confidently. I thank you that because of your fight, I have no fear of condemnation, no, no fear of a coming wrath of God, but I have peace. Thank you for fighting. Oh, Jesus, I pray each day you'd guide me, you'd help me have a love for you that fights for you in this world. Oh, Lord, there's so many things to fight in this world. Oh, may we have a love that fights for you. 
We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for for joining us joining us this Easter. Obviously, a a little bit different way. I mean, maybe like the most different way we've ever had Easter uh, in our lives. But we're sure glad we had the opportunity to gather this way, and we're still looking forward to that that day, that Sunday, that that we can all be gathering back here together again. I I will say that uh, starting next Sunday, I'm going to begin a new series and it's going to be 24 25 weeks long so this is this is going to carry us from April 19th all the way into the fall and uh I didn't plan this because of what we've been through the last month but wow it might end up being kind of timely we're going to be doing a series walking chapter by chapter through the book of Revelation you know God has given us information about what the end looks like so that we can live rightly and confidently now. It's going to be an exciting journey, an exciting study. I hope you can join us for as many Sundays of that as you can. And may you have a great, memorable Easter. God bless.